This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. the Cutlers Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo, and man, what a win for the Pirates. On Saturday night, they take it to the UCF Knights, 34-13, to a 21-point route of UCF. They pull away in the second half after posting a pretty dominant first half, and just a huge win for the program. The most complete Effort, most complete performance of the Mike Houston error. You have special teams. Yes, you had the missed kick on the first drive, and we'll talk about how AC responded to that. But covering kicks at an elite level all night long, uh, made the kicks after the first miss. Defense did exactly what it wanted to do for the most part. Made John Rice Plumley beat them with his arm and forced him to read the field, make throws against coverage. He made several mistakes. As a result, they were opportunistic. They capitalized against a UCF offense that just put up 70 points a week ago on a decent Temple defense. And to come back and hold them to 13, just a tremendous effort from Blake Harrell. By the way, happy birthday to the Pirates defensive coordinator. He had it, I believe, on Thursday. So a big way to celebrate on Saturday after this big win. Uh, Holding them to a season-low 13 points, very big deal. And then the offense was just, honestly, a a pretty masterclass performance from the staff to quarterback Holton Aylers to the running backs. I mean, they just executed in in every, every way. You had time of possession, on ECU side, you had third down conversions on ECU side. 
Holton Ayler's big throw after big throw was in command of the offense, the offensive line, giving him time to survey the field, doing a really good job in the running game against a very solid defensive front. Marlon Gunn with several big-time runs. Even though you look at the stats at the end of the day, they don't blow, blow you away. He made something out of nothing a number of times. Showed his ability to, to squeak through the hole at 200-plus pounds. Make positive yardage. Keaton Mitchell, what can you say? Uh, big night once again had the home run to put it away. And then out wide, just a phenomenal game by the wide receivers. Starting, of course, with C.J. Johnson. Last year against UCF, played 39 snaps, did not have a single catch. This year he goes for 11 for 140. Touchdown right before half on the back shoulder. Hey, maybe he got away with the push off, but when you're in those one-on-one situations, sometimes the refs let you play both ways, and I thought they did tonight. And so you had guys hitting the back shoulder. You had guys making catches over the shoulder downfield in one-on-one coverage. Isaiah Winstead made some big one-on-one grabs, as did C.J., Ryan Jones was kind of the go-to guy in several situations against zone coverage. Uh, UCF tried to mix it up pretty good. They came out in zone and man, and I just thought Holton Aylor's ability to see the field was just critical in this game. And I only noticed watching it from up top, we're pretty high in the, the press box, like one or two misreads where guys were open and he missed them. I mean, you know, 30 seven 38 dropbacks I mean that is an impressive performance so Holton Aylers finishes the day 30 of 36 311 yards one touchdown zero turnovers by the East Carolina offense the Pirates win the turnover battle four to nothing they end up winning time of possession in a big way 35 minutes and 11 seconds to 24 49 and really it was more lopsided than that until UCF was able to maintain the ball a little bit at the end as ECU pretty much dropped back into a deep shell coverage uh, on their final two drives because at that point you're not wanting to give up anything cheap. It's pretty much a race against the clock at that point. You want UCF to to burn clock. And, you know, I just thought it was the perfect perfect game plan, and it's easy to have this game plan. Hey, we're facing this high-powered offense. We need to control clock but still be aggressive, take our shots and man coverage and, you know, score points in the red zone, score enough points. I mean, look, UCF's the number one red zone defense in the country. They held the Pirates to three combined points the first two trips down there. But ECU was really never stopped by UCF. So it was really a matter of, hey, the Pirates are going to move the football. And it's just a matter of whether or not they score once they get down there. Eventually they did punch it in. They made a nice adjustment. On the third series of the game, UCF, which had shown more pressure and man in the red zone at times in the past, they were basically dropping into a zone coverage once ECU got inside the 10 in the first two series. ECU did not handle that well. Well, you make an adjustment on the third series. They go quarterback draw two different times. One on first and goal from the 10 to get them to the to the one-yard line with Holton Aylers. And then on third and goal from the three, Holton said it was an RPO. They dropped into the zone again, so he took the quarterback draw and was able to power his way into the end zone. And, you know, the critical fourth down, fourth and five in the second quarter, UCF down 10 nothing. They decided to go for it. Again, good coverage by East Carolina. 
Malik Fleming makes the pick on fourth and five. I think the safety would have had maybe the knock the knockdown or the pick, even if Malik didn't have it. But great coverage there. And again, making uh, Plumlee beat, beat you from the pocket. And what does ECU do? They turn that turnover into maybe UCF scoring some points on a critical drive late in the second quarter. The Pirates then take it the other way, hit a big pass play to Isaiah Winstead to move the chains and then hit the touchdown pass to C.J. Johnson. And, and that's when you kind of knew – all right, you got some breathing room, 17 nothing. You felt really good about the ball game at that point. And, you know, you don't love giving up the field goal right before the half, but at least they didn't let them in the end zone. The guy made a consensus catch, in, you know, inside the ECU 10 to get them on the board. And where it really got a little dicey was we knew the Knights were going to get the ball coming out of halftime, and I kind of said to uh, to Mac and, and Griffin, who were covering the game with us on Hoist the Colors uh, from the press box, you know, I I kind of felt like a really dominant team there would not allow UCF to come out and score a touchdown in the opening drive of the second half. Well, to their credit, they did just that. UCF did. You know, I knew they wouldn't just roll over, and they had to earn their way down the field, but they they found the end zone, went into their bag of tricks, hit a trick play to the tight end, uh, hit, a, hit a big run, and then eventually powered it in on third and goal. So all of a sudden, 17-10, you're getting a little antsy. But what does the offense do? They just answer right back with one of their best drives of the night. And, and I thought that was the biggest drive of the game for ECU. At 17-10, the pressure shifts a little bit. The momentum shifts a little bit. And ECU just goes on a nine-play, 75-yard march, ending in Keaton Mitchell's seven-yard touchdown run. Again, a, a red zone touchdown against this UCF defense, not settling for three there. That's kind of a backbreaker for the Knights after they – established momentum to start the second half and you know just a a great great run by Keaton using that speed to get around the edge against a very fast defense but that was kind of the the turning point in terms of our ECU is not just looking to pull the upset win the football game they're looking to potentially pull away and dominate this second half and they went on to do that they get a Conrad field goal late uh, to make it 27-10 and then, of course, after a UCF field goal, the Pirates recover the onside kick. Keaton Mitchell puts it away with the long touchdown run to make it 34-13. to And Gerard Stringer with the pick to seal it up pretty much in garbage time when UCF was in a desperate situation there just trying to make something happen. But all around, great game plan. I thought ECU did a great job of implementing what Louisville and Georgia Tech did defensively against UCF where the Knights really struggled to consistently move the football, consistently get into a rhythm. And ECU, keeping their offense on the field, didn't allow UCF to get much of a rhythm. They are a very rhythmic-based offense. Uh, they, they like to go with tempo. They like to go with speed. You know, the, when Plumlee kind of gets into a groove, it's tough to to get him out of that and, and not allowing their offense to see the field a lot, I thought played a huge role in in keeping that from happening. And the Pirates did an absolute tremendous job on two of their best playmakers, two guys that have beaten them in the past. Ryan O'Keefe, the talented receiver, was held to four catches for 28 yards. And Johnny Richardson, the speedy running back, one carry, negative three yards, one catch, eight yards. So the Pirates kind of marked both those guys in their game plan going into the game and really didn't allow them to hit anything significant. And the, the you know, the most significant plays of the game for UCF was a thirty yard run by their power back, Isaiah Bowser. And then obviously the trick play that uh 
Plumley hit to the tight end. But outside of that, man, it was a uh, it was an impressive performance. And yeah, I mean, ECU's defense gave up some yards. You're going to do that when you're facing the top five offense in America. I mean, they're averaging 525 yards per game. You look at the total yards at the end of the day, and it's a lot closer than really what it was. 458 ECU tacks up on uh, UCF, and then 426 for the Knights offensively, but. I thought most of that, I mean, you probably had 120 to 150 yards of that coming from Plumley, just throwing underneath passes when the, the Pirates were trying to make UCF milk clock. So again, it was a it was a pretty dominant performance, uh, even though the stats outside of the scoreboard may not necessarily show that. And obviously the turnovers played a critical role, especially early because ECU wasn't getting many stops defensively, but they were getting turnovers and they were making plays to end those drives. You know, the forced fumble by Julius Wood on the uh, Plumlee scramble where they're inside the 20, that was a critical turning point. You know, it's only 3 nothing at that point. If UCF goes in to score there, you know, that's a critical play that, that changes the, the course of the game. Just like when Plumlee couldn't hook up with a wide-open receiver on their first series, and then Jaira Wilson comes back in the next, the next play, jumps the route, and picks it. So, We've talked so often when ECU plays these these good opponents, they so often do not make the winning plays. And in this case, UCF did not make the winning plays, and ECU capitalized and did. They made the plays when the interception was there. Jared Wilson bobbled the ball a little bit, but he did not drop it. How many times have we seen ECU in these big games not finish an interception, not jump on a fumble, uh, not sack the quarterback when they have the opportunity to. It just felt like on Saturday night the Pirates finished those plays, and in turn they finished the game. And in turn they got the biggest win of the Mike Houston era. They improved to 5-3 and three on the season, improved to 3-2 and two in the American Athletic Conference. On the other side, we'll get into what this means. Does ECU still have a shot at reaching the conference championship game? We'll talk about that. We'll also dive further into the performance as ECU gets a big win on Saturday night inside Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. You're listening to the Hoisted Colors Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back into the Hoist Colors podcast. East Carolina with this win. Again, like I said earlier, the biggest win of the Mike Houston era. I've seen a lot of talk and a lot of this on the Hoist Colors message board, and this has kind of been a theme for a while now. Hey, Mike Houston doesn't have a signature win. 
and now there's some debate over whether this game is a signature win or not. I mean, at some point, guys, we just, I mean, I don't know, first off, from my point of view, I don't know how it's not a signature win, and we're talking about one of the, the premier teams in the American Athletic Conference over the past handful of years. They've dominated you in the series. They're ranked, what, 27th? in the uh, 28th in the AP poll, 27th in the coaches poll, something like that, right outside the top 25. If they beat you, they're ranked pretty much. Um, and to just take it to them on your home field as an underdog, I mean, I, that's not a signature win. I don't know what is, but either way, I guess it all depends on your, your definition of a signature win, but it's just a great win. I don't care if a signature, noteworthy, however you want to put it, this is just a phenomenal football game. Great all-around performance. I mean, it's just one of those situations where you can't expect ECU to play like this every game. And in fact, they're probably highly unlikely to replicate a performance like this where they play so well in all three phases. But this is the potential of this football team. And that's why it's so frustrating they lost to Navy. So frustrating they didn't finish the NC State game because you could be looking at a top 25 team in Greenville right now. But if they play like this or or even get close to replicating this the rest of the way, they could beat any team remaining on the schedule, even with a dawning schedule coming up. And we'll get more into that here in a little bit. But look, signature win, whatever you want to call it, this is the this is a great win. The Pirates have been needing this game for a long time. UCF heading to the Big Twelve. It's it's really stuck under ECU fans crawl that the Knights have kind of come out of nowhere essentially over the past 10, 15 years to quote unquote surpass them in terms of the conference pecking order and basically go from Conference USA to the AAC now to the Big 12 just based on their market and enrollment. And and look, they've done a great job with leadership in Orlando. They've done a great job capitalizing on all the advantages they have. But it's been very frustrating for longtime ECU fans when the Pirates used to beat up on the Knights to see where UCF has gone. But to get this vindication of this moment, to to beat them handedly in your own building in the final AAC regular season matchup, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. This was a huge game. So call it whatever you want to call it. This was one of the best wins East Carolina has had in years. And, and people, you look... Everybody wants to talk about NC State, North Carolina, and beating teams from the state of North Carolina, beating teams in the ACC. Look, I mean, we got to, at some point, mature as a fan base and realize there's other good football going on outside of, like, North Carolina. UCF would probably beat UNC and NC State or at least give them a game, if not win, outright. And certainly over the past five to ten years, they've been the better program of any, basically any school in North Carolina. And so to have this this win in this fashion is a big deal. And I'm, I'm disappointed by the turnout for last night's game. I thought the fans who were there were very engaged. They were loud. They were loud in the fourth quarter, and they made a difference. But come on, guys. 38,000 was the announced attendance, and there probably was maybe 30,000 people there. Pirate Nation has to be better. We talk so much about this program having one of the the best fan bases in the region. Well, it's time to start acting like it. We finally have a program now that is back to delivering quality football and to have that turn out for the most important AAC game in years at home is disappointing. So uh, 
Pirate Nation has to be better. I know that historically attendance drops off at the, as the season goes on. I know that night games are tough, especially when a lot of the alumni is from out of town. But, look, you can make all the excuses you want. It's time to start showing up. There's no reason people shouldn't be there on November 19th when they're taking on Houston in the final regular season home game of the year. And you've got this senior class that is single-handedly, or not single-handedly, but played a big role in turning around this program. They deserve to go out with a big crowd. So just, uh, I just hope the, the home fans can be better. You know, the student section wasn't even good last night. The, um, just the whole stadium wasn't good. I thought, I thought it was, it was very disappointing to be honest, but Hey, the guys who were there, uh, y'all did a great job and big win and helped the team to a win. So what does this victory do for ECU in the conference standings? Well, it keeps things alive. I mean, I basically wrote them off after the loss of Tulane. Quite frankly, why wouldn't you? I mean, they were coming home to play two tough opponents in Memphis and UCF. At that time, it didn't really seem feasible they could win both games, especially with the way they looked at Tulane and the way they had looked previously against Navy. But this keeps them right in it. I mean, I'm not going to say they're a favorite to win the, the league, obviously, but... They kind of, they don't control their own destiny. They'll need some help. But there's a path there if ECU can find a way to win out. And we'll talk about the BYU game a lot this week. It's a it's a pivotal game, even though it's a non-conference game. Got the chance to reach ball eligibility. But it's going to be a tall challenge. I know BYU is down right now, but they're going home. Their backs are against the wall. They're in a bounce back spot. ECU coming off a huge win. How they got to go as Mike Houston put it, halfway across the world to face BYU and Provo so and on a short week. So it's going to be a tough game, no matter how bad BYU looked at Liberty. But regardless of what happens this weekend in non-conference action, when East Carolina travels to Cincinnati after the bye week, which is a well-timed bye, uh, heading into a, probably your toughest conference game of the year, they'll head into that game with a chance, if they win it, to immediately insert themselves back into a firm mix to reach the conference championship. Because if you win at Cincinnati, that would at least give them one conference loss. And I'll go over each of the four teams ahead of ECU in the conference standings in their schedules upcoming. But if you win at Cincinnati, A, you would have the head-to-head over them. B, you would have the head-to-head over UCF. And C, you would be coming back home to face Houston which is one of the four teams ahead of you as well, and a chance to get the head-to-head over them. So if you win out at Cincinnati, Houston, at Temple, you would finish league play at 6-2, and two, and you would have the head-to-head wins over Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, all three teams right now with uh, th- that are ahead of ECU in the conference standings. The only team you would not have a head-to-head over would be Tulane, which honestly seems well on its way. To, to finishing uh, in the mix for a conference championship. Here are the four teams ahead of ECU and what they have remaining. Again, ECU only with three league games left. They've got the non-conference game at BYU, and then they've got the, the three conference games left. You've got UCF and Houston have only played three league games apiece. They sit at 2-1. and one. ECU right now 3-2 and two in, league, in league action. UCF hosts Cincinnati this coming weekend. Then they go to Memphis, to Tulane, host Navy, and then close out at South Florida. 
Certainly not an easy stretch by any of the imagination. Houston, which is 2-1 and one as well, they host USF, which should be a win. Then they go to SMU, tricky game. Host Temple, should be a win. Go to ECU in what should be a pivotal game on November 19th and then close against Tulsa at home. So Houston probably has a pretty easy stretch left. Their loss coming to Tulane, so Tulane has the head-to-head over them as well. Cincinnati right now 3-0 in conference play, coming off a close win at SMU on Saturday. They travel to UCF in a big game this coming weekend. Then they host Navy, host ECU on Friday night, go to Temple, and then host Tulane to close out the season. So obviously a big game at UCF. If you're ECU, you, you probably want UCF to win that football game, knock Cincinnati down to one win, and then when you travel to Cincinnati in a couple weeks, you would have a chance to leapfrog them in the standings with a victory. And then Tulane, they wrap up at Tulsa, which is a tricky game. UCF and SMU at home back-to-back weeks, and then at Cincinnati. So they have a a pretty treacherous Final Four games, but if they go 2-2 two and two and can find a way to beat UCF or Cincinnati, they should be in a very good spot already with wins over Houston and ECU head-to-head. So... There's a brief look at your conference standings. Again, ECU only with three league games left, but they'll be scoreboard watching the next few weeks as they head up to Provo and then enjoy a much-needed open date. But uh, just a huge win. We talked about on the pregame podcast, this was a situation where the Pirates, if they won the game, maybe could have a more realistic conversation about can ECU get back into the conference championship race? Well, now we can have that conversation, and we can have it for a few weeks and uh, see what happens at BYU, chance to reach bowl eligibility for the second consecutive season. So certainly a big, big big-time contest coming up this Friday night, which we'll preview a lot in the coming days. And yes, I realize that I picked UCF to win. I'm not sorry about it. Uh, I'm always glad to be proven wrong. UCF's a quality football team. I thought they presented a lot of challenges for ECU, as with any other opponent. But as Brett Hickman said on the pregame podcast, it was a good matchup on paper for the Pirates in that you're facing a UCF team that plays a lot of man. ECU got that, and when they got that, they took advantage of it. And then defensively, you're facing a team that predominantly succeeds on running the football. What is ECU's strength defensively? Stopping the run. Now, what I could not have forecasted was four turnovers and winning the turnover battle for nothing. I could not have forecasted ECU playing so well on special teams outside of the opening missed kick. I couldn't have forecasted ECU basically making every single one-on-one play in the passing game. But the Pirates doing all that leads to the performance we saw And now we kind of know what the bar is. If this team plays to its potential, if they execute on most things across the board, they have a chance to beat everybody remaining on their schedule starting at BYU. So before we wrap up things, it was such a good win. Let's give out some game balls. And we're going to give out game balls to individual players. But I want to start with the coaching staff. The coaches have taken some flack this year. Deservedly so at times. I mean, they get paid a lot of money, so naturally they're going to get criticized. It's part of the deal. But, you know, Coach Houston said it best after the game. All-around game plan. Everybody did their job. You know, special teams, 
I thought, from a schematic standpoint, did a tremendous job. Even the punt, the one punt of the night, UCF came after it. The Pirates blocked it well, got a a 41-yard punt off with no return. Great punt in a crucial spot. The kick coverage was excellent. I just thought it was a great game plan by the special teams. Offensively, we talked about it, the execution, the game plan. Well-called game. Holt Naylor's made great plays. You know, great players always make coordinators look better. Same thing for the defense. The turnovers really helped the defense, but ECU executed a great game plan all around. So game ball to the coaching staff. Game ball to Holt Naylor's. Probably... His best game as a Pirate, certainly up there, 30 of 36, 311, no turnovers, no turnover-worthy plays. Great decisions all night, accurate footballs, reading the defense, giving his playmakers a chance, and then those playmakers made plays. C.J. Johnson, what can you say? 12 targets, 11 receptions, 140 yards, a touchdown, just a tremendous football game, and what a season he's had in the slot. It's been such a difference maker for C.J. Johnson making that move uh, to the slot. Keaton Mitchell as well, another 100-yard game. The guy just continues to churn out 100-yard affairs and well on his way to another 1,000-yard rushing season. Defensively, how can you not start with Jaira Wilson? Two turnovers forced. He was excellent in coverage. Had the pick that really turned momentum in the first quarter. Was in the right spot at the right time on the fumble of John Rice Plumley, He plays 52 snaps. He was excellent. I thought he's he's had a really good year at safety for the Pirates, and it's been a good move for him. The cornerbacks as well. Malik Fleming in a pre-Washington. Malik, of course, had the pick, but a pre-Washington for the second consecutive week played all of the snaps just about at cornerback. In fact, he did play all the snaps. 70 snaps at corner across from Malik Fleming and the Buffalo grad transfer Racked up six tackles, zero missed stops. He allowed two receptions for a total of 11 yards. Malik Fleming, six combined tackles, one missed tackle. He allowed three of seven receptions for 34 yards. Now, both these guys were in zone for most of the night, but they did their job. They kept plays in front of them. They passed off guys when they needed to pass them off. They picked up guys when they needed to pick them up. And your best coverage game of ECU uh, of ECU secondary for the season. And I thought the safeties played well for the most part, and I thought the corners played extremely well. And uh, I think a pre-Washington going in there has really helped the coverage aspect of things on the back end. Up front, defensively, the Pirates generated 19 pressures. They were led by Rick DeBrew and J.D. Lampley. DeBrew had five pressures, including two sacks, and J.D. Lampley had four pressures and a sack as well, along with three hurries. So plenty of game balls to give out. Plenty of her heroes in this one. Even guys who didn't have big stat performances really stood out. I mean, this was just a an all-around fine effort from the Pirates in a crucial time on the schedule. They get to win number five, only need one more win over the final four games to clinch bowl eligibility. But, of course, ECU going to go for much more than that. And it starts with BYU this coming Friday. So we will preview the BYU game. We'll also continue to wrap up UCF in the days ahead. Just wanted to hop on and share my quick thoughts. And it's been a bit chaotic since the game ended. My computer, laptop, MacBook Pro actually just randomly died 
right as the first half ended, have had no problems with it, and haven't been able to get it cut on since. So I'm working through that currently, and hopefully we'll have something in place before I head to Provo later this week. But it's going to be a quick turnaround with travel this week, so we'll pump out as much content as we can in the coming days. But hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. As always, thank y'all for listening. Y'all make this thing go. Uh, sign up on Hoist of Colors for our newsletter, for our subscription, all that good stuff to stay up to date on the latest with ECU football and recruiting. Pirates get a big commitment from Raheem Jeter as well to kick off Saturday. So a great weekend for the Pirates and a great victory to cap it off as they improve to 5-3 and three on the season. We will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.